And good morning. I love that song. Thank you for leading us in that, Quincy. What a great reminder. Um, I'm going to see a victory. Can you say that to yourself today? I'm going to see a victory. I think it's an important thing to remind ourselves of because faith sees differently than what our natural eyes can see. And I think this is a great and important day and time that we live in to remind ourselves of that fact that we are people of faith and we are to see with eyes of faith. So good morning. Good morning to all of our online church as well. So glad that you're here as well. And uh, I, I, I'm going to just address the fact that I know some of you, probably 50% of you or more, are discouraged. Um, discouraged because of the election. And then I know some of you are maybe encouraged because of the election. And uh, no matter whether your guy won or lost, I think it's important for us to remind ourselves that God is in control, that he is leading the way, that we belong to his kingdom first and foremost. And, uh, and so, you know, I do want to address the fact that I know that there's some let down and you know more than anything else there there's uh there's this polarization that's happening right there's an incredible amount of encouragement for many there's some sense of impending doom for others and uh i want us to turn our eyes back on jesus today that's why we're here that's what we do that's we just see things a little bit different than this world does amen last week we started a series called the season of comeback and maybe you feel like you need a comeback this morning and uh, here's the good news God gives us comebacks God is a God that is leading towards a victory there's an eventual final victory that he's leading us towards and what we see has a lot to do with how we think and how we feel what we see has a lot to do with whether or not we're going to experience comeback in our lives. And God doesn't want to just give you one comeback. There's a series of comebacks that we experience when we journey through this life. I love what uh, Proverbs 29, 18 says. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Casting off restraint uh, in the Hebrew language meant losing hope, being beaten down, and staying in that place of discouragement. God wants to give you prophetic vision. I love how the message translation calls out the same verse. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I remember for Tisa and I, one of our comeback stories in our life, we have lots of them uh, in, in our relationship, in our finances, in our family, um, but one in particular that comes to my mind is in the area of our ministry that I was in business for several years before I ever got into ministry uh, as a full-time vocation, and, and uh through a series of events of prophetic vision, so to speak, that God called us 
to be missionaries. And so we prepared for that. We saved money for that. We sold everything we owned. We moved down into Central America. We did mission work there for a couple years. And uh, while we were there, we, uh, we noticed problems in our team, that our team was mainly myself and Tisa. That's a problem. Uh, we noticed problem in our finances. We were living off of about $700 a month. That's a problem. Uh, we, we didn't have like a, a training, equipping organization over us. That was a problem. So we had all kinds of problems, and we decided to come back to the United States, realign ourselves under a better mission uh, association called Foursquare. And uh, so we came back to the U.S., moved to Tucson, and I met with the mission director of Foursquare, which we're a Foursquare church. And uh, he happened to be in, this t in, in Tucson teaching at this church called Grace Chapel. His name was Roy Hicks Jr., and I got him aside after the service, and I said, hey, I want to do mission work. I've been living in, in Costa Rica and gave him my whole song and dance, my whole story. And after he got done hearing it, he said, well, we would never send you. And I was like, what? Like, I'm thinking I'm pretty awesome, you know? And he's like, yeah, no, we would never send you. And because you need to have more education, you need to go and plant a church, you need to, you know, we only want to send our most equipped, best people so that they can equip the national church because we don't want you living down there forever. We want you to uh, equip and mobilize others. I left that meeting so discouraged. I mean, that whole vision just died. Went back into business. Uh, just thinking, well, I guess we must have missed God. And then after a particular church service, um, or actually it was during this church service, there was a guy who was speaking, and afterwards he kind of had a prophetic word, a word of life, a word of encouragement, a word of, that actually provided some direction for Tisha and I. So he called us up, and he prayed over us, and uh, he said, I, I think God is calling you to go and... Uh, get back into ministry and that and he didn't really know me and he's like god wants to teach you guys how to team up and how to have fun in the ministry and how to, and he had some things and they were it was just this very simple word but it just spoke life and vision into our hearts and it was that prophetic word that vision that god re-planted re in our hearts that launched us into planting in prescott ended up planting up here in spokane and I'm in ministry today still, 25 years later, because of that vision. That was a comeback. That was a comeback story. The greatest human factor that influences your life is the way you see things, the way you see yourself, the way you see your spouse, the way you see your job or your problems, your past or your future. Your perspective makes a huge difference, and we need God's prophetic vision. Today we're going to look at this striking example of vision uh, found in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to look at a story where God had formed a nation of slaves, two million about, and he, he wanted to bring this former group of slaves into a new land called a promised land. And they were in Egypt, and they were in servitude, and they were in bondage, and they were suffering, and they were calling out on God, and God, in his prophetic vision and in his sovereign plan, he called them out of Egypt. You remember the story uh, in that God worked these 
amazing miracles. They cross the Red Sea. Then they begin to travel towards this promised land. And when you hear promised land as a Christian, you need to think of the promises of God for your life. Because, he, you know, the land was what was part and parcel to their promise. But for us, in Christ, we have promises, certain powerful and precious promises. So they leave Egypt, and they travel about three months to get to Mount Sinai. And then it took an, about nine months more for them to construct a tabernacle. And then God said, okay, I'm getting you ready to go into this promised land. It took about two years of a journey to get to the city or this place called Kadesh. And Kadesh was a place of decision. It was a fork in the road. One direction led to this great comeback. One, one direction led to these promises. One direction led to walking with God in faith. And another decision or choice would have led to a place of discouragement, a place of delay, and a place of fear. So here they are in Kadesh, right below the border of this promised land that God had for them. And verse 13, verse 1 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. God spoke to Moses, and he gave, gave him this vision, and he said, Okay, I want you to now send 12 leaders, one from each of the 12 tribes, to go into the land, spy it out, bring back a report. Joshua and Caleb were two of these 12 leaders. And so they go up from the southern approach, into the mountainous area, and they begin to check out the situation. And uh, Mo Moses had told them, I want you to go in and kind of look at the land, look at, look at the produce of the land, look at the forest to see if there's lumber to build our homes, look at the people, are there a lot, are there few, are they strong, are they weak? And so that's why they were there, and so they begin to spy out this land. And... Uh, they found some pretty cool stuff. They found these grapes that were like bigger than Costco grapes. They found pomegranates and figs. They, they looked at the people and they saw a lot of people. They saw lumber. They saw all kinds of, uh, of things. And they come back to report to Israel who was waiting and praying and so discouraged and so done with wandering in the desert, waiting for this promise that God had given them. And they come back and they report and they say the land was beautiful, the water was clean, the trees were majestic, the cities were happening, the fruit is awesome. The only problem is it's too good to be true. Ten of the spies, ten of the twelve, decided probably on their way back that we can't do this. There is no way. The people are huge. The problems are many. And the cities are walled and fortified. We don't have a chance. We will lose. The future is bleak. Now, Caleb and Joshua, two of the 12, had a completely different report. And they stand up on a rock and they start yelling and they're going, no, you guys are wrong. God will be with us. God is already before us. God is calling us to take this land. And yet the other 10 shouted louder and said, no, 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 you can't. It's foolish. It won't work. And so Joshua and Caleb tear their clothes in protest. 
And they keep saying, no, God will do miracles if we just trust him. So what happens? Unfortunately, the 10, with the bleak report, win out. They convince Israel to, that, that it can't be done, that they won't go forward in faith. And so they spend about 40 years wandering in the desert. It's kind of a sad story. But it had to do with what they were seeing with their eyes. Some just saw through their natural eyes and just a, a kind of took an assessment of the situation. And there were problems. There were challenges. Those things were real. But two others looked with the eyes of the heart through the eyes of faith and saw something different. They didn't discount the problems, but they saw through the eyes of faith. And how you see things has everything to do with whether or not you're going to enter into the promises God has in your life. Whether you're going to be a success or failure, whether victorious or defeated, whether happy or unhappy, perspective makes a huge difference. When you see through the eyes of fear, problems look way bigger and God looks really, really tiny. You see this in verse 3 of chapter 14. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children, they're going to be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us just to go back to Egypt? Now, it's not wrong to be realistic, to look at your situation and say, hey, my marriage is in trouble. We need counseling. We need help. My kids are rebelling, and everything I do just seems to be making it worse. I don't have a job, and it doesn't feel like anybody's hiring. Our nation is divided. It's polarized right now. It's okay to be honest, to be realistic, to look at our situation, whether it be personal or corporate, and say, this is what I see, and this is the situation, and these are the challenges. But when we only look through the eyes of our negative circumstances, rather than through the eyes of faith, we miss something really important. And the results of fear lead to discouragement. I mean, in verse 1 of chapter 14, it says that that night, all the people of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. I mean, they were depressed. The future just looked dark and bleak. And, and then it grows to discontentment. It starts with mourning and then it turns into murmuring. Verse 2 says, And all Israel grumbled against Aaron and Moses, the leaders, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. And they begin to blame shift onto leadership. And then, of course, defeat. Verse 4 says, and they said to each other, we should just choose a leader and go back to Egypt. I mean, Egypt must have been awesome, right? Slavery, bondage, lots of work, no money. But it just looked good. And some people would rather stay in bondage emotionally or spiritually or to drugs or to, uh, to, to whatever in their life rather than to risk freedom. There are times, if we're honest, that, none of, that we've all blown it, right? We've not trusted God when we should have. And we look back and we're like, ah, oh, should have, I missed it there. In that fork in the road, I took the wrong turn. 
And here's the good news, that God never quits loving you. God never quits on his purposes in your life. Yes, they can be delayed, but God will have the last word. His kindness leads us to repentance. I love verse 18 of uh, Numbers chapter 14. It says, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, and forgiving sin and rebellion. That is our good news, that I don't have to be perfect. I don't always have to get it right. There are times when I'll fail, and my faith will fail, but he forgives me, and I can get back up, and God has a comeback for you. Where do you need that breakthrough, that comeback? Where do you need to see a God-sized miracle? Where is it that you need to experience freedom in your life where you're still in bondage? Maybe you even went back to your bondage. You knew it wasn't good for you, but you did it anyways. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, we see this great example in Caleb. Caleb was one of the two that had a different report, one of those that looked with the eyes of faith. And it says, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. I love that, that he had a different spirit and that as Christ followers, we are to have a different spirit than the world around us. We're to be able to look at life through, the, through a lens of faith and look into our future and know that there is no one thing that is going to derail your future. Seeing with the eyes of faith, challenges, they look big, they're real, but God is bigger still. And Joshua and Caleb, they saw that. They knew that. And instead of God seeming impotent or unreasonable, God seemed awesome to them. Like, man, it's going to be a challenge, but God is going to show us his miraculous power. Listen to what faith says. It thinks through, the, uh, through a lens of confidence. They said in Numbers 14, 7, the land we passed through and explored, it's exceedingly good. And then it musters courage. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Number, that's Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. And of course, they, what it does as well is it sees that it's, it's a capable situation. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You see this radically different perspective? Radically different. God wants to fill you with faith this morning for your life. Faith is kind of like vision that can leak. And we need to have, we need to be a people of faith and a people that are looking through a lens of faith. What does the Bible say about how you're justified? You are justified by faith. How about, how do you enter into God's rest, that great place of abundant life and peace, joy, his rest? You enter into his rest by faith. How do you 
receive God's promises in your life. You receive God's promises by faith. Paul, the apostle, said it this way. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be open. See, we become experts at where God is not working. And God wants us to become experts at where he is working. We tend to kind of gravitate to where God's not present, and God wants us to become experts at where he is present. When the first cosmonaut went to space, Yuri uh, Gagarin circled the earth. He came back down, and he said, I looked for God everywhere, and I didn't see him. I searched the heavens. I couldn't find God. Therefore, there is no God. He came back. The atheists applauded. A couple months later, John Glenn, who was a Christ follower, went up into space. He circled the earth three times. He looked down, and he said, I saw God everywhere. I felt his presence, his glory. I felt him with me. I see him everywhere. Who was right? They both were. The Bible says in John 3 that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. One couldn't see. One could see it. God wants to give us eyes to see, to see what he's doing in the world, to see where he's leading, to give us prophetic vision. And more than anything else, God is wanting people to see with spiritual eyes, and it starts with your own life, your own spirit. And, and you have to ask yourself, has the eyes of my heart been opened? Has God touched my heart where I can now walk with him, see him, experience him, know him, be encouraged by him? And if the answer is, I'm not sure, then God wants you to be sure today. He wants you to know Jesus Christ, his son, sent to this earth to die for you. And to open up a relationship with you so that Jesus, through Jesus, because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of his death, his burial, and resurrection, that now you can be made friends with God and know him and walk with him and have the eyes of your heart open. See, every church, every person will come to a Kadesh in their life, a place where we have to make a decision. Am I going to walk through this life with the eyes of fear, of discouragement, where I look into the future and I see nothing but obstacles, problems, and bleakness? Or will I look through the eyes of faith and see where God is, where he is working? Where is it for you maybe personally today? A place where you're tempted maybe to shrink back from faith and cave into fear? Maybe you need a job, and you're like, I don't know. It looks really tough to get a job right now. Or you need a friend, and it just feels like everybody's too busy. Or I need to confront someone, but it just is probably going to blow up in my face. Or I need to forgive, but the bitterness is, is too huge. Or I need freedom from an addiction, but I just keep going back to it. What are those giants staring you in the face that God is wanting you to have faith and to trust him and see that he is a big, big God. Big God. He wants that fear to be broken off of your life. And he wants you to walk in faith. Maybe it's to do something that feels scary, like to go back to school. 
Maybe it feels like you need to switch professions. Maybe, maybe there's a leadership call in your life to begin to start a life group or to begin in a ministry area. Maybe it's that you haven't trusted him in the area of your finances and you struggle with greed. Like, I just need a little more before I can become a giver. Or maybe you struggle with fear, like, I, I just won't have enough. And God is wanting you to move into tithing, wanting you to move into being a generous giver. But it's like so, it's so frightening. And God wants you to have faith. Faith to do what he's called you to do, no matter what it is. Maybe you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend, and God is calling you to move out of that relationship and, and really ask, is this a life partner I should be married to? Or is this just somebody that we're hanging out together? See, there's so many different ways that God wants us to trust him and walk in faith. Our perspective has so much to do with it. Let me just close with this passage found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And this passage, I love this passage because it comes on the heels of chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, which is this wonderful list of people who walked in faith. And then here's what it says. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. We look away from the natural realm and we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the encouragement this morning, that we would take our eyes off of just the problems, just the difficulties, just the areas where we're tempted to go, it will never work, it's too good to be true, and to turn our eyes back on Jesus and say, Lord, thank you for being the leader and being the Lord of my life. Let's pray together. God, we come to you this morning, and we thank you, Father, that you have a way of changing our perspective. that you have a prophetic vision that goes so much further than what I can see today. Open up the eyes of my heart, Jesus. Birth faith in me where I lack it. God, we pray that as a people, we would be different than the world around us. Like Caleb had a different spirit. He saw things differently. He led differently. He had a different perspective. Lord, would you give us that spirit of Caleb? The Holy Spirit that inspires us, that fills us with hope, and makes the way for a comeback. And if you're here today or listening online, and you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that right now. Pray this with me, would you? Jesus, I'm asking that you come into my life and enlighten me, God, 
light up my heart and help me to begin to see with the eyes of faith. I'm asking Jesus that you forgive me for all the areas of sin and rebellion in my life. Everywhere where I've just trusted myself to make myself happy. Lord, I'm turning to you in faith today. Jesus, you are the author and the perfecter of my faith. And I ask in your name, Jesus, for your will to be done in my life. Amen. If today you prayed that prayer uh, in our online church, there's a time that you can respond to that so that we can be praying for you. And if you're here in, in the room here at the main campus, feel free to come up afterwards and let me know that you prayed that so that I can be praying for you. Well, we're going to continue to worship God right now. And, uh, and then I'll be back up in just a moment.
Thank you so much for joining us online today. If something spoke to you during this message or during worship, or you just have something on your heart from this busy week, we want to pray with you. There is a live prayer button that you can click, and we have a pastor waiting to do just that. If you're new or you're wanting to get connected, click the Connect button. We want to make sure that you get plugged in here. Thank you so much again for joining us today. We will see you next week.